Boom, we are back with episode number 102. I'm really excited for this one. I'm having Impa Kasanganai, who uh, is one of the, uh, he's getting a lot of attention on social media. Um, obviously, he didn't have the, the uh, I guess the result didn't go his way at Fight Island, but that being said, I mean, his, his followers have grown. He's a huge fan favorite. A lot of people like him, not just uh, for his fighting style, but also his attitude towards the game. I've been a fan um, since before the Contender Series, and uh, is now in the UFC, and uh, without further ado, I'm going to invite him on. There we go. How's Hello, it man. going? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for, for coming on. Um, first things first, man, how are you, how are you doing? Obviously, the fight uh, on Fight Island didn't go your way, but how are you doing mentally after, oh, uh, after the fight? I'm great, bro. I really am. I'm, I started training that Tuesday when I got back, light, drilling. Um, back to doing what I love. Obviously, not the performance that I wanted or, you know, that I know that I can put forth or the result that I wanted. But, man, I, it's a blessing to be out on Fight Island. My dad caught me for the first time. I had some of my best friends out of there. And I trained, man. We were ready to go. Didn't come through how I, you know, believe I could have. But, hey, I mean, I'm blessed to be in the UFC. I have more fights in my contract. And then, you know, after this next one, renew it and keep fighting, man. So I'm, you know, eagerly expecting, looking forward, looking ahead, and blessed to do what I love, really. Um, so emotionally, I'm sure it was a uh, was uh, pretty difficult. But how are you feeling physically? I mean, obviously, um, you, you took a shot there. But any any injuries after that? I know you have a, a six, I think it's sixty day medical suspension. But outside of that, are you uh, you good physically? Physically, I'm great. Yeah, man, nothing crazy. And the most damage to the fight is a little scratch. Yeah, just a little scratch of uh, I think maybe what is when he kicked me or something. Like one of the kicks of the fight, I think he threw up and just like scratched me a little bit, but. Maybe a glove, but other than that, man, no, body feels great. Uh, you know, all medicals checked out, you know, negative scans, negative results, so I mean, or negative um, test results, which are perfect, you know. So, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm great, man. Just, you know, on that protocol with the UFC, the UFCPI is amazing, and their whole team appreciate Charles and everybody, uh, sent me everything I need, just you know, for post, uh, post, you know, knockout recovery, anything that can help with potential concussion, no concussion, I feel great. Um, you know, it's my first time ever being dropped or knocked out ever. So I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, how, this is what happens and this is how it feels. But honestly, I'm blessed. I mean, no, no crazy repercussions or anything like that, so I'm good. Yeah, it's funny because I was talking to a couple of the guys that I write with, and I said he's probably one of the few people whose really stock rose in a knockout loss, you know, like the way <laughs> you handled it. Um, you know, you got attention from everybody in the MMA world just being like, wow, like level of professionalism and how you handled it was uh, was superb, I guess. And he talked a little bit of trash before that. So so kind of talk about why you were professional afterwards. Is it just the way you were? Was it something that you talked about with your coaches? How do you how do you stay like positive even after a loss like that? You know, I, I look at people who talk trash, man. That's that's not real. You know, I mean, I it's not even about the person. I have to see what can I control myself, right? That's that's what fighting's about. And though. Like, even in the fight, like, man, I have to control myself. I had to fight better that fight. So you can say, people can say whatever they want to say. People can talk trash. We can make fun. Uh, fighters can talk junk. But it's really about what do you say about yourself. And I have a I have a greater goal in mind. You know, it doesn't stop right there. You know, it's to be the best ever do it. You know, get the UFC middleweight title, move up and get the light heavyweight heavyweight. Like, my goals aren't stuck on one moment. You know, if anything, they're, they're built from a moment. And if I'm to lower myself to talk trash or engage in that because I think I should. It's not how I was raised. It's not how I was been coached. It's not my, my belief system. Like by faith, like 
I love what I get to do and I love people. And I love to fight. I really do. So it's like uh, the fighting does it, right? You know, it's not like I was, I mean, I didn't fight the way I needed to, but it, the fight wasn't like a blowout, right? So yeah. it's one of those things I'm not going to ever lower my standards to um, talk trash or somebody. Because if you just think about the phrase talk trash, like I'm speaking garbage, it means that's coming out of me. Yeah. And that's not, that's not, that's not what's on the inside. And then one of those quotes I love from those just talks about how somebody angers you, then become your master. And it's like, you're a puppet to them. And I will never let anybody just control me that way. Right. So for me, it's like, and then after the fight, you know, we talked, he was cool. And sometimes I think people are just younger in our lives, especially fighters, man. Like you see it in boxing, you see it in MMA, especially I think that people think they need to act a certain way. And for me, I'm, I'm breaking that mold. That's not me. Like, I could talk trash. I talk trash to my teammates all the time. That's fun. <laughs> but that's all like that's all like locker room and that's all with fun with your guys and your brothers because you know you'll laugh the next day. Yeah. But you know, to have my dad there and then one day I plan to be a dad one day, right? I plan to be married one day. I don't mind tell my kids, this is how you should act, this is what you should do, and then they see me talking trash. I'm not it's not who I am and I won't let anybody change that about me. So that's that's why, really. I mean it's like I love what I get to do, I'm not gonna disgrace it. You had a very successful um, fight on the Contender Series and had a quick two quick turnarounds. Um, some fighters seem to benefit from it, guys like Donald Cerrone, um, yeah. Neil Magny, Sam Alvey. Those guys tend to fight often. Are you somebody that likes to just get in there? I know you said you love fighting. Do you like fighting often, and do you think it's a benefit for you just staying busy, or do you think it may be something that might hinder you long-term? No, I mean, I think that it's definitely something that benefits me. And it, I did. I don't think me turning around quickly had anything to do with the reason I lost. I actually think, if anything, that made me better. I, from the contender series to my, or from my second contender series fight to my UFC debut, that helped me out a lot, man, because I was like, okay, I'm back in and I'm going. I had a fight for a while, you know, since like my first contender series fight, and then I had so many fights drop and things like that. So it felt great to get back in there and do what I love, because the second time when I was on my UFC debut, it felt just like home. And then when I got into the uh, on Fight Island, man, I felt comfortable. I was, I was happy. I was like, I was in my peaceful place. Not comfort, like lazy. I didn't get going the way I needed to for sure. But I, had, I, I think that was my preparation, and uh, I just I didn't get going. You know, that that's definitely on me. I'm not gonna take that. My coaches had me prepared. Diego had a great game plan. Coach Jim had a great game plan. Brian, my dad, they all took care of me on Fight Week. You know, I failed there, and you know, I own it. But um, I think me staying active keeps me going. It's like what would a warrior want to be doing, right? Like, yeah. what, what else would I rather want to be doing? Like, I would want to be, I don't, I for me to just sit down and, like, not fight and, and trade. I'm like, oh, Lord, I love to trade, so I'm happy I'm healthy enough to get back training and do what I love and refine, refine, refine. I love that. But at the same time, too, it's like, oh, I don't have to wait until the fight. But, man, I mean, I look forward to that day because the day that comes is going to feel like Christmas. It's going to feel like, man, I'm back in here. I'm alive. I'm going to do what I love to do. Literally, my hands are healthy, my shins healthy, my body's healthy. Like nothing is, nothing is beat up. So it's like when I get in that fight. By the time I get a fight in uh, 52 days, but who's counting, <laughs> right? At least when I'm cleared to fight, right? I've been, I'll be that much more improved, that much better, and I can make adjustments from last fight and, and my pre-fight prep as well. I want to talk about. Uh, you mentioned it a couple of times. Your dad in your corner. I think it was the first time yeah. he's ever cornered you. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was the whole experience like with him? I mean, obviously oh. going to Fight Island with him, I'm sure that whole thing was was a hell of a journey. Man, it is a blessing. Having my my dad's my hero, man. He's he's done a lot for me. He's uh still does to this day, always believes me, always pushes me, always challenges me. And you know, he's wearing he's today I actually saw him wearing the whole uh walkout kit. You know, he's so proud. You know, for me it's like I, 
I personally, I'm like, man, I wish I, I had the best performance of my life that I fight right, and you know. But it's like when you, you know he's your dad, he still loves you, he's proud. Like, I'll I'll have him on every fight trip if possible, right? And I'm having him on every every chance we get. You know, my mom is like, my mom and dad are married, but we always call they always call each other. Uh, he refers to her as his girlfriend. He's like, man, my girlfriend. You know, she'd be fine without me, whatever. Right? Like, be fine chilling. But they, you know, it's just a great experience, man. He's the kind of man I want to be, right? He's the kind of man that he works so hard. He's came, you know, came to America with twelve dollars in his pocket, built a fortune, built a life, and is and, and pushed me and, and challenged me. And always so disciplined, and loving, and he was keeping everybody up to date back home. To have him there to walk out with him, he came with me to weigh-ins, to meet it. He got to see everything, and then, you know, the 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 different kind of perspective he got on mixed martial arts and MMA was completely mm-hmm. new to him, right? So it was kind of fun sharing that part with him. I had a great weight cut. I didn't have to get him the sauna, so that was awesome. So he didn't have to see me suffer, but I could see him like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like he, because a lot of time, a lot of my teammates and I, we always have fun. We're always joking, we're laughing, and then he's just like, oh, it does get serious, right? So. He wore the GoPro all around, so you'll see some videos. Going to have a YouTube channel coming out, so from first contender series, second contender series to debut, and some stuff in between. So I'm excited to share that. And oh, you're the first person, you're the first person I told about that actually. So I'm excited about that. But man, my dad was welcomed by the UFC, and if I could be proud to work in an organization, work with some people, man, and the UFC. So I just I thank their staff. I think they're everybody they made my dad feel like he was the one fighting that week like they're like oh what do you need and they're just coming up to him shaking his hand you should have seen the first time michael kiesa paul felder karen everybody uh good in and uh who else is in there uh going blank other blank one of the uh, other announcers um dan hardy was there dan, Har- dan hardy yeah yeah dan hardy and um one other person they were all so welcoming man like i said i said dad you can send an interview with me he's like what me Wow! Wow! I haven't seen a smile. Then the UFC um, Arabia, I think it's what UFC Arabia came um, and interviewed him, and the smile on his face, man. I was like, I was like, Dad, why don't you get an interview? He's like, What? No, I, I can't. If you need me to, I was like, Come on, come on, get in there. And he took pictures and uh, Juan um, and Kaylee, the photographers through the UFC, they were making him feel like he was on top of the world, and I couldn't thank them enough, right? And uh, Dr. Tara, everybody, they like. The entire staff there made my dad feel welcome. Then being in uh, Abu Dhabi, there are many people from, uh, you know, from different parts of Africa. So they just kept coming to my dad, hugging him, talking to him. So I was like, the hotel, the W, man, like, I've never seen my dad just, just smile like that from ear to ear the entire trip. And then on the way back, I let him have my uh, first class seat and he was just chilling, you know, feeling like king. Like, man, I didn't get the victory as far as the fight, but to share this moment with my dad early in my career and, he get a seat during this corona. I mean, I'm so, so, I thank God every day. Like, I really thank God. Like, I my dad, like having him there was the best experience. And he, you know, he just, he, he went with me to the hospital after the fight, right? And I got to share that moment with him too. Because, you know, I don't plan for that to happen anymore. So it's like, so I want him to, so he got to see almost everything. And how the, I think it was Michael was his name. I can't remember right now. He got knocked out at that time. So, <laughs> but he said, uh, he said, yeah, we'll get you taken care of. He got me the casket. My dad was just like, Welcomed, welcomed, welcomed. So that whole experience, man, was one of the biggest blessings of my life with him. 
I'm actually, I was actually getting a little emotional hearing that story. I mean, I, my, my family's abroad and, and coming over here, I'm, I'm, I'm living in Canada, but we're originally yeah. from Spain. So very similar in the sense that, you know, I can imagine what your father went through to provide you with those opportunities. Mm. Uh, you, you wear the, the, you wore the, uh, the USA flag and you kind of represent the United States, but you're originally from the Congo. Is that, is that correct? That's where your family's from? Yeah, my family's from Maritza from there. I'm the first person in my family born outside of Congo. So I was born in the United States, born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Mm. So what's it like representing, um, you know, Congo in a way, um, being able to be one of the few African fighters on the UFC, yeah. ro on the UFC roster? Man, that is really, that honor is almost unexplainable. Like growing up when I was young, I was made fun of a lot for it. Like, I don't say bullied, let me take that back. Like I was just like, you know, you weren't, there are things people say when you're young that they just don't know. I won't say it's bullying. I think it's just ignorance. More about like being African, being this. Oh, do you live by a zebra? Do you this? And you're, and you, like, you're almost you're almost ashamed to share your culture. Yeah. Right. But the older you get, you start realizing you won't know who you are until you know where you come from, or exactly. somewhat, or like what you've been through. And to be able to like grow through that and always think for me to represent Congo, even though I'm mouthpiece, I always have like the half Congolese flag, half the United States flag. Yeah, I'm proud to be an American, man. I love being American. Man, I know we have crazy things going on in this country for sure, but I'm so proud to be here and see my parents' story. Super cool fact about the flag that I walked out with. The first time I walked out with the, I used to walk out with strictly the Congolese flag because that's the only one mm -hmm. I had. It was a gift. But then I also got an American flag. And the UFC, you have to have them sewn together or something. My dad knows how to sew and he sewed, <laughs> he sewed the two flags together which to me was very symbolic. Like he brought, my dad was the first person in his family to leave Congo, to leave everything and brought a lot of his family here and everybody started building their lives. So like for me, him sewing that flag together, that will always be the most honorable piece that I carry on, on fight week. To represent people in Congo, to get the love that they, they send in, to have my dad be a part of it all. Like that just, that is almost like the American dream we talk about, right? Yeah. You build, 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 and then you see your kids do it, and then I get to bring them along. My dad always said he wanted to go to the Middle East. He wanted to go to Abu Dhabi, and I, he used to travel a lot when I was little, and then now I got to bring him, and him being a world traveler, him being an immigrant, him being a person who raised me this, like, to represent my culture and my people and something I can actually stand and be proud of and the warriors that we that come from our culture. Like, I'm, I'm grateful, man. I'm, I'm just like... To have him there it just makes me so happy, man. If, if it feels, I'm getting so excited right now. I'm like, I'm ready to fight again. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's super, super. Um, it was just super cool, man. Having that honor to represent them and, and, and wear the Congolese crest on my um, my UFC fight kit for the first time. And I think I'll always switch between USA and Congo and really fight another country where that country's kind of represent the people. But really, man, it always it always means a ton to me that you know that I get to represent Congo. Like it's such a Beautiful land, beautiful people, so much going on there, a lot of corruption, a lot of craziness. But then also, too, I get to use this platform to bring yeah. awareness, but also use this position that I am to one day go back and help. So there's a lot. Yeah, so it's it's crazy to think that even just maybe even five years ago, a, a potential UFC Africa just seems so far-fetched and not even possible. But now you've got guys like Francis, uh, Israel Adesanya, Kamaru Usman, and you're right there as well. What would it mean to you if the UFC were to be able to say, to say you know what, we're going back, maybe not Congo, but maybe a Nigeria or a Morocco. What would it mean to you to be able to be part of a, a card like oh, that? Oh, man, to be on that card. I was, for me, it's like, I don't just see myself as Congolese. I am Congolese for sure. But um, I look at it as like we're one tribe, one soil, one people. There's too much like in America, we might have racism, but in, in, you see tribalism. People like always 
many people put themselves away. Like for me, it's like I see it as a one tribe, one sort of like, you know, Yusuf, the Moroccan comes from the Yusuf Moroccan. Yusuf yeah, yeah, Zalal, he awesome guy, man. We met before the trip. We were talking, really, really cool guy, welcoming, you know. I see him as my African brother. And I see, you know, everybody's African sisters and brothers. Like, I see everybody, like, you know, you. It doesn't matter where somebody's from. I just see people as yeah. humans. And the cool thing about being African is, like, you know, I could say we're all connected in a way, right? Huge culture, family-oriented. So it doesn't matter what country it is we're in at that time. And I would love to fight in Congo one day in Kinshasa, like the Rebel of the Jungle was. I'm going to keep speaking that. But, man, to fight on a car, let's say, Israel's headlining and he has a middleweight title defense in Nigeria and I see myself fighting him one day like that to me would just always be some balking to be on that undercard to be on that card to earn my way up or to fight for the title in their country you know let's just say like fight Israel Adesanya in Nigeria to fight these guys when that time does come like that would be such a huge honor and it's not me being against this African country to me it's be like we get to celebrate the pioneers who came before me Mark Diakise Adesanya, Nganu, Usman, like these guys who all paved the way and made it something so special. Like that for me would be like, man, thank you. And I'm honored. And now I get to, you know, carry that on. Like that would be mean the world to me. And I believe it's going to happen one day, man. So yeah. I, I got to get back, you know, back to doing what I do, work, working, training, you know, claiming these victories. And I believe that, you know, when that time does come, it would make sense for me to be out there all in God's plan, all in God's will. But I'm, I'm, I, man, you keep talking about this stuff. I'm like, excited to call and text him like, why don't we do this now? Kind <laughs> of thing. So I'm, I'm excited, man. Really am. I want to talk to you about one thing specifically. Uh, I'm an accountant by day. No uh, way. Yeah, I'm an accountant by day, and I, I do this on the side for fun. And uh, awesome. as a former accountant, I guess I, I don't. I, I still like doing accounting, but you know, I, I do have a passion for MMA, not fighting mm -hmm. necessarily. Mm -hmm. I guess, what would your message be to someone in my shoes who's doing another job on the side, but would has a passion in something like MMA? I mean, you, you were an accountant and you switched mm -hmm. and now you're doing fighting full time. So what would your message be to someone like me? Well, man, for you, so I, one, you're doing a great job already, man. So like sometimes people look at what they lack and not see what they have. Like, oh man, I wish I could do this full time, only that blah, blah, blah you're doing great. The fact that you started your own stream, the fact that you started your own channel, your own episode 102, which I'm honored to be a part of, so you're consistent about it. You're doing it. Remember, consistency is king, but also to like take your 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 work that you are, you know, your profession, and, and fund your passion so that one day can become a, your profession, right? If this is what you want to do forever, what's the most creative way? What's the most professional way to do it? What, what will you do? Like, if you're going to be the best accountant, take those same principles and put it into into you know your journalism like maybe you take a journalism course and a media creative media course like what makes you you what makes you you what makes you stand out right like for me when i left accounting i had to let everything go because i knew nothing right i couldn't <laughs> really do fighting on the side or do it at the certain time at the gym that i'm in you know jimmo right yeah i couldn't really like you know at the time so when i got offered a job of promotion it was going to interfere with my training and i prayed about it and i said god this is what you want me to call me to do, like by faith, I'm letting everything go because I had to at that time, right? Like, to make as many training sessions to make up, not make up for the time that I never done it, but like to to take advantage of all the time that's offered, right? So what gives you that niche? What will allow you to stand apart from the rest? And then what what trips can you take? Like where can you go to like who can like I would say reach out to many journalists in the MMA world, but also yeah. journalists who have nothing to do with MMA. Like what makes them so special? study them, obsess over it. And then also I would say like, start just, just write in your journal every day, man. Like 
questions maybe if I don't know like talking to you is talking, like talking to a friend. So you, I think you do a great job. It feels like a, almost like in a living room, right? So like, I think you have that about you. So how do you make people, all these people feel welcome? And then how do you challenge yourself? Interview yourself, like put yourself in the fighter shoes. Like, you know, like I appreciate you and you're respectful. Like some people, some people don't understand like the, the magnitude of fighting. Like I'm different. I mean, I take things differently. So it doesn't really bother me, but like some people wouldn't. So what will set you apart? And then also too, like, I would look at like, a lot of people ask fighters about the fight. They ask fighters about like what got them there and their motivation. But also feel free to ask fighters about like like where they are mentally and just like what are the some of the most challenges that fighters have. I never really hear questions like that. Like mm-hmm. I'll listen to a hundred interviews a week or a hundred interviews a day, right? Of great people. Then ask them like what questions aren't they asking? Right? Because people want to see what they don't know. If you always hear if you hear four interviews and every interview is about the same, like I would say ask the questions people just don't like aren't willing to ask in, in the most respectful way. Or what can you recommend to the fighter? Maybe not even about their fighting style, but say, hey man, here's a book I read and it helped me build my dream as a journalist. Um, and then like, then it creates that conversation because the fighter thinks about you that way. And then I would, and then not, not just the fighting, but the MMA, but if it's your passion, man, what tools do you need? How do you most invest in this? Like, what does your studio look like? Even like, even if you have one chair, one monitor, one everything, like what can you invest in that? And also, too, um, like, it's just, I mean, I, I have to think about it. I could definitely write you some more because this is off the top of my head. But, <laughs> like, I would just say, man, if it's your passion, let nothing get in the way with it. Like, right? Yeah. Let nothing, even, even on your, even on the most challenging day where you just don't feel like asking questions, make that the day you ask the questions you, you want to ask. And then just, like, write. And maybe sometimes, too, like, pre-interview, like, sometimes, you know, some people, some people send questions in. Some people don't, some fighters don't want to read questions. Some people don't want whatever. But, like, ask that. Oh, I would ask the coaches, interview coaches, interview teams, interview um, people in the gym. Hey, can I just talk to somebody from your gym? Can I talk to your coach? Can I talk to call people from the PI? Ask them like 10 minute questions. I'm just doing yeah. a one minute and then put it together. I don't know. I'll just go any creative abstract route because I love that. When I when I hear interviews, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I never heard that one before. Right. But if I hear like another fighter, okay, I understand that as a fighter. But man, like I think you're doing a, a great job. The fact that you're doing this, just take every little bit that you can and invest back into your career. And also too, like what makes you what makes you happy? Like, if you were listening to an interview, what would make you want to stay in tune, right? And then, like, for somebody who's letting everything go, and I hope I'm going to go too much into the interview part, but, like, with accounting, what, uh, for me, from, from when I left accounting, it was like this. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to give it everything I have, and I don't ever want to have, I don't, when, I, when I'm done fighting, when I am, like, later in my career, I don't even have the option to go to accounting. I know it's there. But I don't, I don't, I don't even want to give myself the option to do that. If I feel like in a few, in many, in a few years, I still think, oh man, I probably should do accounting. Then I feel like I failed because I didn't take advantage of every single thing that I had with MMA. Like right now, I see that it should be a position that I never have to go back to accounting, right? So what can you do with your passion? What can you do to cultivate that? What can you do to make it grow? Great, you can ask or imagine, right? By faith and by working hard every day, that'll make that accounting seem like a like a second very thought that you never even ever have to have again does that make sense i don't know yeah it's, it's funny you say, you say that because like that's part of the reason why i even started it was a to to kind of hope for something greater than you know doing the same thing eight to eight to four monday mm-hmm. through friday but it was also i found all mma interviews were the same you know um same questions um and a lot of them were we're clickbait, like, you know, mm-hmm. so-and-so calls out so-and-so. And, and, and what I like, what, what I do is I just write literally what you see below is what I write. Um, and it's like, 
watch the whole thing and you can kind of see the dialogue and hear it rather than um, rather than just me trying to get followers and subscribers. It was just for me that that that's kind of the reason why I did it. And I want to be able to have a conversation more so than, than an interview type thing. Um, and that's yeah. But uh, but man, I appreciate that. That is actually it's funny because I just uh, bought the, pot, the, the the platform to do this. So mm -hmm. to, to hear you say, you know, what, invest in it. And I was like, man, that's kind of what I needed. That's what you know, those little things there and those sorts of tips. So I appreciate it, man. I, I, I actually uh, it's, it's kind of nice to hear someone who had the same background I did and to see how how they've risen and the success they've had. Oh man, no, thank you, man. It's good to see people go after their dreams and their passion. Like, I think I, I, I respect for anybody who's doing accounting. I, I think sometimes we come across like, oh, forget that. No, like some people, man, they love it, and some people, it's provided for their families, and some people, that's all that like that's what they have. So I, especially the time where many people are losing their jobs in the middle of the pandemic. But if you do have a passion, someone's calling your heart, bro. See, see how you can best make that happen, right? How, how, what's the best way for you to make that happen? And and before you know it, like. This will pay. Like, let it organically grow. Be you. Yep. Be respectful. Be loving. You don't have to be clickbait. Like, I think that's where the trash talk comes from, right? Like, they see, oh my gosh, and like sometimes you know it's funny. I don't think trash talk is the best thing in the world, but I think that guys seeing people like fighters who who've succeeded and they've had trash talk, and they're like, man, look what they've done for their families. And this person's like, well, I'll trash talk anybody so I can do this for my family. And then you see, but you think about it, like. Is that really what you want? Like, because I think about the long-term effects. Like, you listen to guys like Mike Tyson. He says he doesn't even want to listen to his old interviews because he's embarrassed. And people are like how they used to be, right? You don't have to be that to be a monster in the octagon or the ring. But it's at the same time, too, with interviews, you don't have to be like everybody else. Like, think about this. If you, if you one day you have kids, you have a family, and you want them to say, Dad, I want to listen to, your, to the interviews that you did. I want to be a journalist just like you. And they're five years old. And when they're at five years old, they should be able to listen to your interviews, not be like, wait, what did you just say? Or why would you tell somebody that? Like, how insensitive were you? But when you can, pet, like, the perf the great legacy is to pass it down to the ones that, like, to your, to your, to your predecessors, like, the ones who come after you, right? Mm -hmm. And, and your, well, I guess future ancestors, like, your, your, your legacy. And I think about, like, when I pass down what I do, all my children be like, man, they're comfortable coming in. I'm like, my dad's not really a jerk. He's really a nice guy. But the same thing for you, man, like, Whoever, whoever, like, or maybe that's just a young kid who's inspired by the way you tell stories, the way you interview people, and I think that's that's going to be a huge uh, testimony to the way things need to go. Let things go organically. What's a hundred thousand followers, and what's three thousand followers? Yeah. But when it's all quality, when people really, really feel it, you know, I think that that's where the respect is earned, and the money will come. So, that's, that's, never worry about that stuff. All right, I'll ask you a couple more questions. I know I told you 20 minutes, and so we're running a bit, oh, <laughs> we're running a bit longer, but I love it. Um, no, it's it's great. Uh, man, you're, you're fun to talk to. And like you said, it's it's more organic when we're just having a conversation. So I'll ask you a couple more. I couldn't go without asking about Jimmo. I mean, very successful team. And guys like Joe Selecki, Brian Barberina, you name it. Um, a lot of success coming out of that camp. However, it's kind of fallen under the radar. A lot of people aren't talking about it. Do you think it's because it's a smaller camp? And do you think there's a lot of benefits to having a close-knit team such as Jimmo uh, rather than, you know, maybe a big team that you could have hundreds of training partners but maybe not necessarily the one-on-one -on -one training you may need? I think, so, okay, with one-on-one -on -one training, I think that you have to seek that as a fighter, right? It's funny because you could be in a small gym and nobody seeking out one-on-one -on -one training. You could be in a big gym and everybody's seeking out or nobody seeks it out at all, right? Um what I love about Jimmo and Coach is that you have that private 
you have that one-on-one feel, you have that closed boutique gym, and you get to address certain issues that you might not ever get addressed anywhere else, right? And, you know, guys like Selecki, my man, who just had a baby, shout out to him, baby Nora, uh, and guys who come into, like, Selecki comes back and forth from Wilmington, right? And he brings such a plethora of knowledge, like him and uh, Salter, right? When they come down from Wilmington, man, like, the amount of learning you get in those sessions is second to none. And then having Coach Jimbo, man, who is my second dad, right, kind of second dad, he, he, he just brings a lot of love to the room, right? And he challenges us and he pushes us, right? I don't want to knock those big gyms. I mean, like, you know, like you see some great, guy, great guys come out of those gyms and like, there's a benefit to having 40 different training partners with different looks, right? And guys who come every day, guys who are there to, you know, do some, do some great work, right? And they just want to be in the, the wolf's den, right? Then you have um, guys like Barbarina and Hot Sauce, right, who come in and they just bring years and years of experience, but also great men. And I think that's what makes Jimmo special, really. It's about it's the amount of people. And I think, yeah, sometimes we, I think we're growing and fly, fly under the radar as well because, um, you know, we have less fighters than some gyms, but the quality of fighters, I don't think, is it doesn't doesn't change. You know, it's not like, oh, like this guy versus this guy. Like you saw a Brian fight, Luke A last year fight, all these guys. Like, it wasn't like Scott, Jim Miller, and then they just fight in New Jersey. Like, they fought some solid fighters too. So these guys, these big gyms, I think they have quicker turnarounds because they have more guys fighting, right? You could have three guys fight one month, four people fight the next month, and it's just like their name stays in the in the, in the media and in the in the circuit, which they've earned and they and they deserve, right? So I think that's the only reason, really. But there are benefits benefits to both for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm gonna ask a couple more, and then I'll let you go. Huge fight this weekend, and I couldn't go without asking. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody's been talking about it for months, and it doesn't even seem real that it's happening. I mean, Khabib versus Gaethje. I mean, mm-hmm. it's insane. It's like it's like seven days away, and uh, it's crazy. I thought it was never going to happen with everything going on with Khabib's dad. That being said, what's your prediction for the fight? I mean, they're both my favorite. Both, they're two of my favorite fighters. It's like thinking which – I don't know which glove you like better. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's uh, oh, weird I said that. It sounded weird when I said that. It sounded better in my head. <laughs> but uh, how's it going to go? If I think if anybody can get it, it could be, it'd be Gaethje. Oh, God, it's so hard to pick against Khabib. I'm going to pick Gaethje because I want to see, like, you know, him, him, him rocking it and see what he's going to do. Then again, I guess I can go out of the way. But for my pick for this fight, I'm picking Justin Gaethje. I love it. I, I was on the fence. I've been on the fence back and forth. I, I ended up sticking with Khabib just because how do you pick against him when the guy has literally no no like no like flaws in his game? Every time someone's like, he's going to get caught by Connor, he goes out and mauls him. So it's really mm-hmm. a pick against him. But I think if anyone's going to do it, like you said, I think it's I think it's Gaethje. Yeah, I think so. Because Gaethje can – Wrestle, he's done it. He's he's with it. Coach Whitman is an excellent coach, right? And he does have zero Gaethje in. And you saw how he just picked apart Ferguson. I'm not saying Ferguson could be more the same at all, but then he knows they know how to game plan. He doesn't do it. He's, he's been proven to claim victory after victory after victory, and he's not scared to get in there. I think some people get scared of Khabib, knowing yeah. Gaethje. Like I mean, unless it changes on Saturday or Sunday, whatever day it's going to be in Abu Dhabi, I think that he. He knows how to do it. Then again, too, he knows how to travel and fix Gaethje. 
who knows how you know Khabib's been Dabi Dabi. So maybe there's a benefit to that. But I, I think Gaethje can get it. Let's see. And it's fun to take that take that. Maybe not everybody else will pick, right? So we'll see. All right, I'm going to ask you one last one, and then I'll uh, and then I'll let you go. Um, I hate to end it on this note, but uh, I guess what advice would you give to someone um, who kind of had a, a loss like that, whether it's an MMA or something else, in public? I mean, the the world's seeing it; millions of people are seeing it. Um, I'm sure it's hard to see, but what advice would you give to someone who's going through something like that? Um, and what's like a positive message? Man, like what a blessing it is to have a public failure. Right, because you don't have to change it. You don't have to lie about it. You don't have to change it. Think about it. Everybody knows, right? And I was actually in church today, thinking about that. Like, what a joy it is to get the opportunity to show how you rise and show that what you're really meant to do. Right? A lot of people before my fight, like, oh, he's undefeated. They know he's doing really well, and you know, have questions, but he didn't fight too terribly. But what? He still lost. He did this, right? But what a blessing it is to take advantage of that opportunity, to, like. Let everybody laugh. Let everybody say what they want to say. Let everybody tag you in the video or whatever. But then that gets to share, you get to share who you are. You get to show your character. You get to show what you stand for. And if you feel like you lost, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have to stay defeated forever, right? It doesn't yeah. mean you have to be in a place where where you have to live in a, a state or an atmosphere of defeat. If anything, you get to live uh, in a state of resurrection where you get to come back better than ever. And that, I think that shows people, like, so many people feel defeated right now. They lost their business. They lost their job. They 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 were they were doing so well. They were thriving, and then they lost everything. They fell flat on their face, flat, flat on their face. But then they don't. They realize they get to rebuild and build something better that could inspire so many. So for me, it's like you actually now have the responsibility and the opportunity. And that's what I tell myself. Like I have the responsibility, opportunity to let people know what fighters do. Right? If I'm if I'm undefeated, right, and I did this, I mean, I believe I never have to lose again, right? And that's that's a great thing. But if you give yourself the permission to win and the permission to claim victory after falling short in public, then when, you, when you're back in public and you're claiming victory and you're at the top and you're rising, can you imagine how people are going to see and how they're going to feel and how inspired they'll be? So take, take advantage of that opportunity. Own your failure. And then also you get the opportunity to just and be a better you. You get a better, like, you get the, you get the opportunity to be the best version of yourself. And that's going to be a better version for the world to see, right? I mean, the fighter that was on me, I thought it was the best version of the day, but I'm like, wait, there's so much more I can do now. There's so many more lessons. There's so much more training I can get in. There's so much more, so much more about me that I get to show the world. And I thank God for that opportunity. And then the Bible just talks about, thank God that I've been afflicted. It's a good thing that I've been afflicted because now I can share the gospel. I get to share the God's word, right? For me, that's my faith. That's my ministry. But I also get to share something positive and maybe it's encouraging people. Because before I didn't have as many eyes on me, right? And then people saw the fight, like, oh, excellent fight, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you got that shot was crazy. And it was a great shot by Joaquin, beautiful shot, you know, great shot. But now I can still use my platform to hopefully spread positivity, spread love. And especially in a time like this, I have the responsibility as a professional athlete, as a professional fighter, as a fighter, like to let people know that, yeah, you're not down, but you get back up, right? And the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up eight. So really every time you fall, you get the opportunity to get back up even better. And if you look at any great company, any great, any great story, any great war, any great, any great, anything, anything you ever see in life, the ones who fell, the ones who've fallen short, and then they come back, what they become. Look at Lomachenko, right? He fell early in his career to Salido, but came back. He fell again, fell, fell again. And then, but look, he's going to come back better, right? 
you see guys like um guys who just it's it, you get so many opportunities man to be something special usman one loss became the champion like look at uh poirier sometimes you have to fall flat on your face man it's, and there's no shame in that the shame is in not owning it because when you own it you lose the power of self-efficacy you lose that power to change yourself you lose that power to become something greater than you could ever ask or imagine but when you get to look within yourself and you get to reassess your whole area you get to reassess your life sometimes and i don't refer to the bible but it's like it's what helps me right john 15 talks about god's a true vine and you got to look at the gardener sometimes you got to cut a plant and it hurts you got to prune it right mm-hmm. but the best way for you to grow is by cutting off what holds you down right whether it's an old thought whether it's a negative thought whether it's thinking you're punished like you're never punished because you go through a bad moment god's not punishing you life's not punishing you it's just that challenge is it's helping you grow to become better and if you realize that it's helping you grow to become better the more you grow like if you prune a rose that's when you get to see the beauty of the rose if you never prune it it never gets to grow the way it needs to if you don't prune the the crops like you don't ever really get to experience the best harvest so the greater harvest that's coming usually comes after a time of pruning so that's how i look at it like i look at fights like i get a prune from my old self i get a lose myself usually i'll cut my hair i'm thinking about you know shaving my mohawk right and begin going back to the place where it's like okay cool i didn't get what i wanted it feels painful it hurts but own that live in that and then what you get to become from that is what's going to inspire many and like that's your responsibility you get the opportunity you get the responsibility to help other people and you should, and that in turn will help yourself so you get a you get to become that much greater of an artist and if you feel like you've fallen if you feel like you've had that public loss don't worry, your public success will shine that much better if that's what matters. But don't worry about the people in public. Focus on yourself because the person you get to become, nobody else gets to see, right? The person you get to become in private, the person you become in public, that's gonna become that's gonna be a testimony for the world to see, right? So don't don't be discouraged. Don't don't worry about it. You'll be you'll be totally fine. Man, I love that. And I think there's no better way to end it on, man. What a beautiful message. I mean, taking that all that negativity that's come your way and turning it into a positive. And uh, I think it's really important for not just the MMA community, but people in general to, to, to kind of hear messages like that. I think, especially right now in 2020 with everything that's going on, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. It, uh, it meant a lot. This was probably one of the more heartfelt ones talking about everything from your, from your dad cornering you to, to even that message there at the end. So I really appreciate it. I know we're running way over time, but uh, oh, man, it, uh, I appreciate it. So, all the best, man, and we'll uh, we'll have you back on uh, after sure. your next one or even before your next one. Uh, I really thank you so much. Yeah, please let me know for sure. All right, man. All the best. Stay safe and uh, and take care. Thank you. Have a good one. God bless. All right, there we are. Uh, Impa Kasang and I. Uh, been a fan of his for a long time. This is one of the uh, the more emotional ones. Uh, I mean, he's uh, you know he's experiencing a lot of public negativity, but man, the way he turns it around and turns it into a positive is, uh, is really inspirational. And I think it's something that uh, a lot of us can learn from. That being said, thanks again to everybody for, for tuning in. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Until then, I'll see you guys next time. All the best.